0: thinking today of spiritual gifts in these verses. Meghan Markle continues to make the news headlines. Articles are still being written about her and studies continue to be done on her life so far. The London Times yesterday had a full-page article about her. The recent court case involving Harry, Meghan and the press have raised all kinds of questions again. And it's probably too early to assess her behavior. We need more of a gap between our marriage to Harry and how her life has turned out for a proper assessment of her. But tentative conclusions are already being drawn. One assessment of her is, and you may agree with this or not, that she has wasted a wonderful opportunity Megan, it's generally recognized, had many natural gifts. One journal described her as she always carried herself well. As an actress, she had developed those natural gifts and had attained a considerable degree of comfort in the public eye and had considerability in interacting with the press. But the palace developed those natural gifts further. Social etiquette coaches developed her natural and advanced skills to an even higher level so she could handle her increased responsibilities. She learned when to shake hands, how to shake hands, how to walk, how to wave. Added to those natural gifts and talents which she had were new abilities and new gifts, such as a house in Buckingham, the title of Duchess of Suffolk, and a place in royalty. So the big question being asked of her is, what type of steward of her natural developed and new gifts has she been? And that same question is being asked of each of us. We are described in verse 10 as stewards that is someone who manages something precious that is entrusted to us every christian has been given a gift to be used within the christian church verse 10 says as each one has received a gift we are to understand these gifts as being of two types, as we've already indicated, either natural gifts that are refined and developed when we become a Christian, or new gifts. Robert Johnston, in his commentary on First Peter, makes this point. Special gifts of the Spirit, he says, and natural gifts quickened and consecrated by His grace. That is, in some cases, new gifts are given to us when we become a Christian. For example, the gift of healing in the New Testament church, the gift of prophecy, the gift of miracles and of tongues was exercised by Christians when they became a Christian. They were new gifts given to them. Paul never healed anyone when he was a Pharisee. But when he became a Christian, he was given a new gift. But there are other gifts, natural gifts which people had that were developed and refined and enhanced when they became a Christian. A born leader who became a Christian became a better leader after he was a Christian. So let us think of our gifts That they are from Christ, that they are through Christ, and that they are for Christ. Let's think first of all of our gifts as being from Christ. Verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. They're from Christ. Our spiritual gifts are from Christ. We have received a gift, verse 10. Each gift which each believer has, and some have more than, than one gift, has been given to us by the Lord Jesus. There is no one believer who has been missed out. The verse says each has received a gift. In some of our cases, it is the refining of a natural gift. For example, the Apostle Peter writing this letter, he was a natural leader. We learn from the Gospels that he had a business in the north side of Galilee, a fishing business, and in his company there was Peter and Andrew and James and John and and their fathers. But Peter was the spokesman he was the born leader. He was the, the natural head of that business. And when he became a Christian, that natural gift of leadership was developed, advanced, and refined by the Lord Jesus. And he became a leader in the Christian church. Other gifts are new gifts when we become a Christian. Perhaps someone joins a congregation After they become a Christian and they begin hearing about people who live on their own. They begin to feel compassion for them. They begin to pray specifically for them in their daily devotions. They begin to have an increasing love and burden for these people. that never felt like this in their life before about anyone. Here's a new gift that's been given to them in their life by the Lord Jesus. And they become, through providence, through time, through opportunity, a wonderful helper, encourager, and visitor to elderly believers, to the lonely, to the widowed in the congregation. They have a gift which Romans 12 describes as showing mercy. Mercy. And so both natural gifts, which are refined and developed when we become a Christian, or, or new gifts, which we, we receive when we become a Christian, they both come from Christ. They are received from Him. In the New Testament, there are lists of gifts in Romans 12, in 1 Corinthians 12, then Ephesians Chapter 4, I don't know what you imagine might be included in those lists. Yes, there are apostles, there are prophets, there are pastors, but there are also gifts like this. Serving is a particular gift, and some members of this congregation are outstanding in serving this congregation. Another gift mentioned is showing mercy. We're all to show mercy to one another, but there are some people who just have the knack of listening and saying the right thing and and, and the imagination and creativity of showing mercy. Exhortation is another gift. And there are some people who just have that ability to encourage us and inspire us in our Christian life. Administration is another gift. Maybe you say, well, that's definitely not me. But you see other people within the congregation who are organized and able to administer and control and manage an event very well. But all of these gifts, this range of gifts, about 23 gifts identified Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, they come from the Lord Jesus. And the style of receiving those gifts is indicated by the opening word in verse number 10, as each has received a gift. We tend to understand the word as to mean like each has received or since each has received. But more is conveyed by the small word. As is used in the sense of prototype. It has to have a power and an influence over us. As each has received the gift, it's more than since, but it's talking about the style, the manner, the way in which Jesus has given us the gift. This is a sense that it's used in that new commandment, isn't it? That we're to love one another as I have loved you. As there means the style, the manner, the way in which I have loved you. You're to love one another. So the same idea is here. As you have received the gift, so serve one another. So how then have we received the gift? Well, Jesus has given us our gifts thoughtfully. He's given us our gifts graciously. He's given each of us our gifts generously. And as Jesus has entrusted us with this treasure, with this ability, so then we are to use our gift thoughtfully and generously and graciously to others. One of my childhood memories, good childhood memories. Dad will be listening in here. Associated with my, my growing up was my family uh, visiting a, a massive house which belonged to one of the elders in our church for supper. The elder and his wife often had people round to their house and their attitude was that God in his providence had given them that large house, and they wanted to use it to serve his people. They had received it, and they sought to use it. Receiving a gift from Jesus is a strong motivation to us to use our gifts. We've been entrusted, every Christian has been entrusted with a gift. We're to use that gift. Jesus has given us a role to fulfill. Billy Bray, the famous evangelical preacher, often dressed in odd ways. And the reason he said for this was that himself and fashion had had an argument many years ago and they had never reconciled. But, but behind uh, that, that reason was the fact that he was poor, an itinerant preacher and people to to help him out in in his financial straits would donate clothes to him. And he felt the obligation to wear them. If people out of kindness and thoughtfulness and sacrifice and generosity had given to him, then he was going to use them. Here is Christ. Christ thoughtfulness and generosity giving to us what a motive that is to use our gift. As you have received a gift, so serve one another. Bengal is a, a, an older commentator, but he, he makes this helpful point. He focuses in in verse 10 on the word it. Use it to serve one another. And he comments it and not another. We're called to use the gift that we have. Each of us is unique and special. Each of us has a gift. We're not to worry what other people have, or what other people can do, or what other people cannot do. We're not to desire something different. We have a role, a purpose, a calling, a gift. Use it to serve one another. Our gifts are from Christ. Our gifts, secondly, are through Christ. And you know, in our reports, we, we, we've been seeing how many people use their gift in our congregation through Christ. The ability to use our gift is given us from God, verse 11, by the strength that God supplies. The Lord Jesus not only gives us gifts and thereby makes us stewards, lays on us the privilege and responsibility of serving Him, but He also gives us the strength to use the gift by the strength that God supplies. The word supplies in verse 11 is a rich New Testament word. It was used of a wealthy donor who desired to keep a a theatre open and to keep the actors paid. And so he would give money so that these plays could be performed and these actors have a crust to live on. If he cut his donations, the doors of the theatre would close and the actors would be sleeping on the streets. And God gives us the strength. He supplies the strength. He gives us the gift, and then he supplies the strength to use that gift and exercise that gift to benefit others. Beyond any natural ability we have, beyond any development and refinement of our gift that has taken place, there is this strength from God, communicated to us by his Holy Spirit to enable us to serve him and to use our gift. But not only does does Christ strengthen us in using our gift, his merits also makes our service acceptable to God. See the phrase in verse 11, that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. We know our service is defective. Our thoughts sometimes are are not as they should be as we visit someone or as we serve in Sabbath school or as we welcome people at the door. We are serving, but sometimes as with our Psalm 41, the inside of us is not comporting to the outward activity. And so this phrase in verse 11 is so helpful to us. That God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Not just by his strength to enable us to serve and to use the gift that we have, but also his merits, his righteousness to cover over our imperfections as we serve our, our God and Heavenly Father. We're to do our best, we're to aim for excellence. If we have a speaking gift in verse 10, we are to speak as one speaks oracles of God. In Sabbath school teaching, CY talks, in holiday Bible called presentations, and preaching week by week, we're to comply with the doctrines of scripture. We're to speak the truth. We're to speak as the oracles of God. We're not to be careless. We're not to make things up. We're not to be false in our teaching when we're speaking. We're to do our utmost to conform it to the oracles of God. And when we're serving, we're to do our best. We're to be generous and lavish and gracious. But our best is Imperfect. Our best is defective. Our best falls short and and we all know it. And so we serve through Jesus Christ. Our imperfections are covered over. Our failings are beneath the merits of his righteousness and his blood. The high goal of glorifying God in verse 11 can only be attained through Jesus Christ. The EU signed off $3.3 billion of aid for Ukraine last week. What must that mean to that small country? Help from all those other nations to achieve their aim and to accomplish their goal. They are at the coal face. They are on the ground. They are nose to nose with the enemy. But the vast resources of the EU are all behind them. So it is for us serving here in Newton Arts. We're serving by the strength that God supplies and through Jesus Christ. Sometimes we say and have said, I couldn't do that. And sometimes that statement is the reality. We just could not do that. Me putting up a fence, for example, it's an absolute impossibility we might use the phrase of ourselves. We might use the phrase of someone else that they would not be suitable for that. They could not do that. We cannot ask them to do that because they do not have the skills to do that. Sometimes it is absolutely right to say, "I could not do that." But other times, it's not reality. It's reluctance. I couldn't do it because I'm too lazy because I have a false humility, because I expect someone else to do it, because I'm trusting in my own strength. Peter assures us here that not only does Christ give each one of us a gift, but Christ also enables us to use that gift. Perhaps you're feeling your weakness and inability as an elder, as an interim elder, as a deacon, as a church member, as a Christian. We serve through the strength that God supplies. Then thirdly, our gifts are for Christ. They are from Christ. They are through Christ. And thirdly, They are for Christ in verse number 11. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. The closest antecedent to him in verse 11 is Jesus Christ. So that is who we should understand him as referring to in this verse. To him, that is the Lord Jesus, belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Glory as we serve in the strength of Jesus his attributes are seen in us. His wisdom, his grace, his love are evident in our speaking and serving gifts. And so he is reflected, he is praised. People see a building and they ask, Who built that? Who was the designer? Who was the architect? Who was the crafts person involved in this building? And so people, when they see our serving, they ask questions How do you do that? Why do you do that? And glory is brought to the Lord Jesus. The bag of scones to the widow. The flowers for the bereaved family. The lift to the hospital appointment. Neighbours, friends, work colleagues are asking, why are you doing this? And we tell them it's Jesus who gives us gifts and gives us strength. To him be glory and dominion forever. And ever. This phrase is odd, though, isn't it, in verse eleven? This phrase is taking us beyond this world, isn't it? It's taking us into that the eons of, of, of eternity, the phrase it literally, age after age. And Peter is thinking of that everlasting glory and dominion and service to Jesus Christ that, that we will give as we worship in heaven, perfected and glorified. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Peter is thinking of serving beyond this life, of us praising and following and worshipping and honouring the Lord Jesus in heaven in our state of perfection. So why does he include this here? Is he just bursting with adoration and he, and he, he writes this in to the passage? Or is there another reason? Isn't Peter including this here? to encourage us, to bring a bit of heaven and its service and its worship into our congregations, into our life now. He's thinking of those ages to come and and how we will worship gladly and and glorify and honor Jesus then. What, What he's saying is, let's do it now. Let's hide ourselves and let Jesus be seen. To him be glory and dominion now here in our congregations as it will be forever and ever in heaven. We talk about someone catching the bug in a metaphorical sense. By this we mean that someone has been captivated by a hobby, an idea, a practice, maybe beekeeping it may be sowing, it may be running, it may be growing vegetables, it may be the 5 a.m. club, and they talk of it and dream of it and think of it. And, and this is the idea that Peter has here. He, he wants us to, to think of heaven and that state of perfection and us serving and using our gifts in that future state. And he's wanting us to to have it now. There is praying and praising and serving in heaven no one is proud. All glory goes to Jesus. That's to be our goal here. The gifts that we have. Of administration. Of serving. Of showing mercy. Of exhortation. Of leading. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. It's a wonderful story in George Whitefield's life. He had a falling out with the other prominent evangelical in England, John Wesley. And they had a considerable and heated discussion. And it was a very public issue. And and so the press, you know, got on to this as as they do. And and they asked the hard questions. And so they said to George Whitfield one day, Oh, do you think you'll see John Wesley in heaven then? And he grasped the moment. And he said, No. He said, "John Wesley will be so near to the throne of God, and I'll be so far away I won't see him." And this is Peter's idea here: To Jesus be glory and dominion forever and ever. Let Jesus be central, let us be hidden. Let the defects in, in, in one another be overlooked. Let love cover all sins so that Jesus in our serving will receive glory and dominion among us. Our gifts are from Christ. Our gifts are through Christ. Our gifts are for Christ. So let us identify our gift Talk to others and ask them, what gift do you think Christ has (coughs) given to me? Look over the passages, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and see the gifts that are mentioned there. Something perhaps that you're comfortable doing, something that you're natural at doing, that's likely to be the gift that Christ has given to you. And then use your gift. Find a way to use it. Pray that an opportunity will arise for you to use it and develop that gift. Be the best that we can be at the gift that Christ has given to us. Look at how others use that gift. Learn from those who are advanced and expert in that area in which you've been gifted. Maybe even ask for some feedback about how you've got on. But above all, let us honour Christ as we serve him in this congregation together.